Hello, I'm Phil Farrow, Chief Meteorologist at WSBN-TV in South Florida, and this is Weather or Not. This is the time of year when the tropics are still relatively quiet that we urge you to get ready. The more you do now, the less you'll stress if and when a system threatens. In the month of June, we look to the northwestern Caribbean Sea, all of the Gulf of Mexico, and the southeastern coast of the United States for possible formation. These bodies of water tend to develop storms early in the season And because they are very close to land, they can impact any area rather quickly. Here's meteorologist Vivian Gonzalez. Do you know your risks? Your storm station has got you covered as we talk about what to do before, during, and after a storm. Coming up next. It only takes one. There's a center of circulation. One team. It is a monster of a storm. Keeps you ready. The Storm Station, 7 News. The best app from the best weather team is right here. 7's Hurricane Tracker app. Get the latest forecast models. My 7 weather blog. And of course, 7's cone on your phone. It's yours free from the Storm Station, 7 News. Welcome back. This is a very useful episode. You can listen in the car or at home anytime over and over for the best tips on how to be ready for tropical activity. It's your personal checklist. Vivian has the info. It's that time of year again, and it's hard to believe that we've been so lucky without getting a direct hit along the southeast coast from a storm since Irma in 2017. But last year was very busy with Ian and Nicole, and that is why it's so important to know your risks, to be ready for whatever Mother Nature brings our way. Hurricane season is already underway, and a storm can happen at any time which is why a little preparation goes a long way. And on this episode of Whether or Not, we talk about what to do before, during, and after a storm. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I'm meteorologist Vivian Gonzalez, and my duty to my community is to keep you safe and informed throughout the season. Forecasts are getting better every year, but we want to caution people from just looking at the cone of concern when making plans because a jog to the left or right can imply greater or less impacts in a given location. And a big part of being storm ready is having the right supplies and the last thing you need is getting stuck in long lines for hours and encounter empty shelves. So knowing what you need can help you stock up long before a storm does approach. We live in the state of Florida. We're no stranger to hurricane season. Be prepared, shop early, and uh, make sure that you have all of the things. And the good news about storm shopping is that you can buy most of it now. So here's what you need to have on hand if a storm approaches. Ice for coolers and water. Experts say you need at least one gallon per day per person for at least three days. You can buy bottled or fill-up containers with your tap. Bread is the next item. Pick up bread with a late expiration date or buy it early and freeze it. Also, pick up peanut butter and jelly. It is just easy and doesn't require refrigeration. Easy eats that don't require cooking are highly recommended in case a storm knocks out power. When we talk about non-perishable food items, it's things that don't require refrigeration. So if you think about canned goods, you think about canned meats, and you think about things that don't go bad. Make sure to get high-protein canned goods like chicken, turkey, and tuna. 
also pick up shelf-stable milk or dairy option products that you can have with cereal. And if your family includes babies, you need to think about formula, baby food, wipes, and diapers. The produce section is not one you would associate with storm shopping, but some fruits can stay fresh for up to a week without refrigeration. In our produce section, the fruits that are required refrigeration are under refrigeration, but if they're not, then they're shelf stable. So you think about all of the apples and you think about the citrus and you think about bananas. All of those are out um, and don't require refrigeration. Just make sure to have at least a three day supply of food. And if you have a baby, one week's worth of baby food. Keep an eye out for paper plates and paper towels. They can be essential after a storm. You're also going to need to have flashlights. Make sure that you do not use candles as it can cause a fire and a battery-powered TV and radio handy in case the power goes out. Lanterns, preferably LED ones, are good to have. They are very bright and there's no need to change the bulbs. Also, have extra batteries. Double A's, triple A's, C and D batteries are recommended. A first aid kit a seven-day supply of medications and medical items such as hearing aids, glasses, contact lenses, syringes, sanitation and personal hygiene items, a fully charged cell phone with an extra battery or external charger that doesn't require electricity. Now, if we do lose power, you can listen to WSVN Channel 7 through the radio with a battery-powered or hand-crank radio, a NOAA weather radio if possible extra set of car keys and house keys, insect repellent, sunscreen, rain gear, a camera for photos of possible damage, and don't forget your pets. Pet supplies, including collar, a leash, ID, carrier, a bowl, and a two-week supply of food. So, as we check off the grocery store, now it's time to hit the hardware store. Before a hurricane approaches, make sure you protect your windows. Close all windows, doors, and hurricane shutters. Make sure to test them and grease them with something like WD-40 so that they can open and close easily. And if you have panels, make sure that you have wing nuts. A wing nut driver can make installing them fast and easier. Also, make sure you know where each panel goes. If you do not have hurricane shutters, close and board up all windows and doors with plywood. Preferably a marine grade or a pressure treated plywood is the best thing, a minimum of 5 8 thick. Your battery powered tools are likely going to get a workout before the storm, so... Definitely have spare batteries because you're going to be in the middle of something that's going to die. You're going to have to wait for it to charge up and if the storm is impending soon, you don't have time for those to be charging. And after a storm, you'll need the right tools to get your home and yard cleaned up and to make emergency repairs. Tarp to cover roof damage, you can use sandbags to keep them in place, a chainsaw to help clear out trees. If you have no power, you have no way to charge a, a battery or an electric chainsaw, so gas is really the best way to go for that. Plus the gas models are actually a lot stronger and they'll cut a lot faster, so you get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time also. You'll need racks, trimmers, and heavy-duty garbage bags to remove debris. If you have a pool, make sure it's clean and add extra chlorine. For cooking, you'll need a working grill and supplies to run it like propane tanks. If you use coal, make sure you store it somewhere where it won't get wet along with fire starters and other grilling tools. Make sure you have protective gear like gloves and goggles. You don't want to cut yourself, you don't want anything to get in your eye, especially during hurricane time, the hospitals will be busy. 
Now, aside from the tools, preparing your property from heavy rain and wind is something you can do little by little all season long. Start your preps outside by inspecting your roof, windows, gutters, and landscape to make sure that they can take hurricane force winds. We'll walk around and just see what could potentially be used um, by the wind, what, be, what can be picked up by the wind and, and used as a, as a projectile that could damage your home and other homes. It's a good idea a roofer inspects your tiles or shingles to make sure they are secure. Be sure gutters are firmly attached and cleaned out. Keep your shrubbery trimmed all season long and figure out how you'll secure your windows and doors from flying debris. Now is the time to bring inside anything that can be picked up by high winds, like bicycles, lawn furniture, and small plants. Consider taking down awnings, remove hoses, and if you have a pool, bring the water level down a few inches. Once the outside is secured, you'll want to start thinking about the inside of your home, and the main concern is losing power. The refrigerator lower the, the temperatures a few degrees down um, and then obviously if the power goes out try to limit the opening and closing of those of those refrigerator doors just to try to keep the items inside as cold as possible for as long as possible uh, until you, you get your power restored also lower your ac so that if you lose power your home will stay cooler longer make sure power tools and phones are fully charged and then start pulling the plugs out of the outlets you also want to find and secure important documents in watertight containers. You'll find that using a camera to take pictures of your possessions will come in handy in case you need to make an insurance claim. And if you're planning on riding out the storm at home, prepare your safe room. It could be a bathroom, it could be a closet, something on the inside of the house uh, that's uh, safely away from any windows that could potentially uh, break or shatter during the, uh, during the storm. Stock it up with essentials like water and anything that will help you weather the storm. Water is the greatest danger when it comes to hurricanes, so it's important to know your risk and if you live in an evacuation zone. Therefore, you need to have a plan and practice it in case you're ordered to leave. It is the best way to minimize confusion and fear during a storm, so check with your county for the latest evacuation routes. The barrier islands are color-coded in red, running along the intracoastal, and they are in zone A. They are likely to be evacuated for most storms. If you had to go across the bridge to get to your house, you're in probably evacuation zone A. Zone B is in yellow, and it runs the entire county east of US-1 and only evacuated for major storms. Once we've made the determination that the amount of water that the storm will advance is going to cause problems, an announcement will be made to evacuate zone B. In Miami-Dade County, there are five color-coded evacuation zones. You have A, the red zone, which are areas along Biscayne Bay. Zone A includes the southern tip of the county. It moves north along the coastal cities such as Cutler Bay, Palmetto Bay, Pinecrest, and parts of North Miami Beach. In most cases, in most storms, Zone A will be the first to evacuate. Zone B in orange includes areas along the Turnpike Extension near Homestead and downtown Miami. Also, you have Florida City and the Barrier Islands included too. Zone C in yellow along US-1 and pockets that are vulnerable to rising water from canals and low-lying areas to the north like Biscayne Park. Zone D in green is a large area. It includes Kendall and many neighborhoods in southwest Miami-Dade. And Zone E in blue 
The zone furthest west includes areas in the western part of the county all the way out to the Miccosukee tribes and such. During Irma, zones A, B, and parts of C were under a mandatory evacuation, and those evacuations were so widespread that roads were jam-packed. That is why officials would prefer if you can weather the storm outside the evacuation zone with family or friends. Emergency shelters should be a last resort, and not every shelter opens for every storm. However, no matter where you go, officials say if you are told to evacuate, get out and be careful to avoid flooded roads and washed out bridges. And if you have a boat, secure it. So what should you do after a storm? Make sure that you let your friends and family know you're safe. You can do so on Facebook's safety check or on the American Red Cross Safe and Well website. If you don't have internet access, call 1-866-GET-INFO to register yourself and your family. You want to make sure that you keep away from loose or dangled power lines and report them immediately to the power company. And if an evacuation order was issued, only return home when officials safe. it's safe to do so. Watch animals closely and keep them under your direct control. Stay alert for extended rainfall and subsequent flooding even after the storm has ended. Stay out of any building that was under water around it. Use flashlights in the dark and do not use candles. Avoid drinking or preparing food with tap water until you are sure it's not contaminated. Check refrigerated food for spoilage. If in doubt, just throw it out and use the telephone only for emergency calls. Inspect your home for damage. Take pictures of damage, both of the building and its contents for insurance purposes. So how can you stay alert with everything that's going on? Connect with Seven. Whether you prefer a laptop, tablet, or smartphone, Seven News has you covered well before a storm hits. And it all starts with the power of our free apps. Seven News, Hurricane Tracker, and Seven Weather Apps that you can download for iPhone users by searching for WSVN in the App Store and for Android users by searching WSVN in the Google Play Store providing up-to-date storm data. Track the tropics with our Hurricane Tracker app by getting the latest forecast cone and models, along with helpful tips, emergency numbers, and medical information. The 7 Weather app is a great way to stay ahead of the storm by monitoring approaching storm cells and focusing on your neighborhood with our interactive radar. With the 7 News app, you can find information on closures, cancellations, and conditions in your area. Don't miss a minute of storm coverage by streaming 7 News on air and on the go. And there's a whole host of in-depth coverage available on our website, WSVN.com. The 7 News team will use the power of social media to keep you connected and interacting with us during an emergency. Make sure that you follow WSVN on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for important updates right in your timeline and newsfeed. Instant updates along with pictures and videos from viewers across South Florida. And if you can do so safely, snap a picture or video and send it to 7 at WSVN.com and maybe we'll be using it on social media or even on air. You've got us and we will help you weather a storm on air, online and 24 hours a day. Thank you, Vivian. Coming up next, El Nino is here and what it means for the rest of hurricane season. Severe weather can strike any time. And when it does, 7's got you covered. 24-7.
Wolfie we'll storms developing. We have a long line of rainfall here. We are the storm station. Seven News. When the tropics heat up, you can stay cool. Because the chief works right here. Seven's chief meteorologist, Phil Farrow. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years. As soon as we get information, we bring it to you instantly. Wilma, Katrina, Irma. He guided us safely through them all. That guy never sleeps, but that's so you can sleep easier. Here's meteorologist Jackson Dill with your El Nino update. Hurricane season is here and it was recently announced that El Nino has developed. It's one of the common factors that can influence hurricane season in the Atlantic. To learn more about it and what it could mean for tropical activity, I spoke to Emily Becker, who is an associate director for the University of Miami Cooperative Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Studies. In hurricane and seasonal forecasts, we often hear the terms El Nino or La Nina, which are also known as ENSO or the El Nino Southern Oscillation brought up. Can you first explain what they mean? Uh, definitely. Um, so, yes, as you said, El Nino Southern Oscillation, that's the name for the entire El Nino and La Nina system. And the primary characteristic of both of those patterns, El Nino and La Nina, are changes in the temperature of the surface of the Pacific Ocean, the tropical Pacific Ocean. So El Nino is warmer than average water and La Nina is cooler than average water. And even though it's in the, the central Pacific and very, very far away from Miami and a lot of other places, El Nino can, both of these phases can change global circulation in profound ways. Where do these names originate from? El Nino was originally observed by Peruvian fishermen in the 19th century because it's a very characteristic pattern of warmer than average water and it would affect their fisheries. And so when these patterns started to develop, it was it usually peaks around Christmas time. So the the term El Nino, the boy, in reference to the Christ child. So. What leads to these changes in ENSO? It's a, it's a completely natural pattern. ENSO has been forming in the, in the Pacific for thousands and thousands of years and will continue to do so. And what it is, is it's the O part of ENSO is oscillation. It's a, um, a movement back and forth between this warmer than average and cooler than average phases. And it's not terribly regular. It occurs on about two to seven years, so which is why you can see we haven't had an El Nino since, I, think, I believe, five years ago, whereas we've had three years of La Nina in a row. There was just a three-year-long La Nina. How unusual is it for these triple-dip events to occur? And how long does a La Nina or El Nino typically last? Our, our really good records only go back about 75 years. So it's very likely that there have been countless three years in a row of La Nina and such. But in our 75-year record, so our, our, our well-observed history, we can only point to three times that we've had La Nina three times in a row. More typical is two years, and La Nina events tend to last about two years or two consecutive winters in a row. And less often, they just last for one year. 
Whereas El Nino very typically lasts for one year and occasionally two years in a row, but we do not have on record any three-year events. Is there any role climate change is playing in this? Are we seeing more El Nino events given the warming air temperatures? We can't point to that yet. We, of course, we're seeing changes all over the world from climate change, but the the impact on ENSO itself hasn't really become very clear. We have some differences in the observed record from what the models are predicting. So that's a very active area of research in terms of the, the interaction of climate change and ENSO. And lastly, El Nino is now developing. What does that mean for this year's Atlantic hurricane season? El Nino increases the wind shear over the Atlantic, which makes it harder for hurricanes to form, whereas La Nina tends to decrease that wind shear, making it easier for the hurricanes um, to grow and become more powerful. Of course, it's not uh, it's not a sure thing, and there will still be hurricanes, and there'll be strong ones during an El Nino season. So it's not time to just take a break on paying any attention to it, but that is that is an overall impact of the system. Also, El Nino and La Nina influence temperature and and rainfall patterns all around the world, including in the southeastern tier of the U.S. You'll see more rain and more storms during an El Nino event. Um, so, my my father used to work on golf courses in near Sarasota. And he he would pay attention to El Nino because he knew that during those winters there were going to be more rainouts on the uh, on the golf course. And now a pill fact: on average, the month of June spins up one tropical storm every other year. We've already had our lean at the start of the month. It also develops one hurricane every ten years. That's why this is the best time to get all the supplies you may need down the road. This is Chief Meteorologist Phil Farrow. We'll chat next week. This podcast is produced by the Seven Weather Team. Original music by Chris Crane. With technical support by Stephen Sayhouse. Thank you for listening to Weather or Not.